are in a series now. It's called Celebrate the Savior. We launched it last week, and I'm just saying, if you missed last week's series start, make sure you get back and get on that. Listen to that sermon. Catch up with where we're at. There is a huge amount of launch energy in that, and it celebrates the greatness of Christ and gets it off to a bang. So, man, if you weren't with us last week, go back and catch it. If you were, maybe you want to go back and catch it again and remind as well. It was a great starter point uh, as we get into celebrate the Savior. Here's the deal. We're looking at the greatness of Jesus Christ, the awesomeness of Christ, and our roadmap is going to be the Jewish feasts, okay? We're walking through the seven Jewish feasts. And how many feasts are there? Seven, all right? And that's God's number. That's like a completeness number. Don't forget that number. It's gonna come out today. But seven, it's a super important number. It's God saying, this is whole, it's complete. I'm making a thorough, complete statement right now. And in the seven feasts, he's making a point. Last week, we looked at the feast of Passover. It's the first feast in the Jewish religious calendar. It's in the first month. It's on the 14th day. And Passover, it was all about Jesus Christ going to the cross. So each of these feasts, it looks back to a historical element where God did a work in the nation of Israel, and it looks forward to something about Jesus Christ that we can anchor into and celebrate with all we've got. Every one of these feasts, it looks back and it looks forward, and we see Christ in the midst of it, all right? So let's go ahead and throw the graphic up. You should have this on your bulletin as well. It should be at the top. And uh, if you notice the graphic, the second one is kind of highlighted or brought out now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And maybe you've heard that before. If you've read through the Gospels, you've run into that term a bit. And uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the second of the feasts. And so that's where we're going today. We're going to be diving in to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, learning about Jesus Christ and being able to make much of him. Hey, just a little side note, uh, just so you know, right now in Israel, getting, coming up now to sunset, it's going to become the Feast of Trumpets at sunset tonight. So that's one of these feasts up here. It's in the latter half. It's, in the, it's the first of the last three. And the Feast of Trumpets literally is starting tonight in Israel at sunset. And I was talking to my daughter a little bit today, and we were texting right before the service. And, and uh, so now there's some uh, students out there in uh, Jerusalem University. They're tracking with us. So a little shout out to the students from Jerusalem University. And uh, great to have them tracking with us here. And uh, man, they're getting ready to do a giant celebration of the Feast of Trumpets over in Israel. All right. So this is actually tracking through the seven feasts in the year. We're going to catch up to where Israel's at in a few weeks as we move through these one week at a time, all right? So the Feast of Unleavened Bread, here we go. Let's turn to our uh, Bibles, Leviticus 23. And uh, not often we say turn to Leviticus, right? And uh, my Bible's already kind of getting creased in Leviticus, man. It's turning there a little more readily. And uh, that goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It's the third book of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, all right? Still hearing some papers turning, so I'll give you a chance to get there. We're going into the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and point number one here is instructional, because every time you go to Leviticus, you're going to get instruction on the how of it, all right? Instructional. Celebrate that God has a plan for removing sin. Celebrate that God has a plan for removing sin, for salvation 
and removing sin. And uh, celebrate the key word here. So we're starting out in uh, Leviticus 23, and actually we're going to get a running start. We're going to start in verse 4. It says, uh, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations. Remember, we talked about that last week. Holy, meaning set apart, convocation, calling together all of the people like an assembly to be able to go after it. Holy convocations. And these are the appointed feasts. Everybody say, God has a plan. Right? God has a plan. He's going after it. None of this is a surprise. These are appointed days, not to be toyed with. Hang on, celebrate them as is. You're going to see God reveal out on that exact day, exact time as he spoke. And so he says, hang on, we have some appointed feasts, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the appointed uh, time for them. He says, in the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. And we went through all of that last week. First month, 14th day, at twilight. And they were supposed to walk through this together and celebrate the Lord's Passover. Remember, that's a looking back to Israel being released out of Egypt. And uh, Israel being released out of Egypt, they were there for some 400 years, and they were released out by God's handiwork. Remember, he declared out some 10 plagues that were going to go down. The first nine took place where he's revealing against the gods of Egypt, saying, this is who I am. And Pharaoh's kind of like, yeah, I'm still not letting them go, right? And so he held on to the Israelites through the ninth plague. And it, when it became the 10th plague, God was like, Moses, get ready. There's some serious work I'm going to do in this place, doing a 10th plague that is going to take the firstborn of every animal and the firstborn of every family that is not trusting in me. And uh, here's how we'll know. You're going to do this thing on the 14th day at twilight where you kill a Passover lamb and the blood goes onto the doorpost and the lintel. And as it goes onto the wood around the door, it's a marker. And then God will pass over that home. Thus it's called the Lord's Passover. And that was looking back. And in the midst of that happening, the Lord came in that night. He did pass over every home that had blood on the doorpost. And those Egyptian homes that did not, that refused to trust in him, the firstborns were taken out of every home. And there was a release when the Pharaoh said, that's it, get out of here. And all of a sudden, they were thunderously released out. That is the Passover celebration on the 14th day at twilight. That also then jumps forward to the time of Christ when he was taken to the cross on the 14th day and he breathed his last at twilight, the Passover lamb for us and all of God's people said. And uh, he's like, let's make this clear. Uh, the first feast is to be on the 14th day of the first month at twilight. It's the Lord's Passover. Here we go now, jumping into the next. And on the 15th day of the same month, everybody say that's the next day. Okay, so on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Everybody say to the Lord. Don't miss it. These are about celebrating and worshiping Jesus Christ. This isn't vacation holidays. This is all about making much of God Almighty. May he be celebrated. 
And uh, just so we're super clear on this, we talked last week about a little bit of the Jewish calendar, how it's lunar. It starts at the beginning of new moons when the moon is dark, and at the middle of the month on the 15th is a full moon. Notice this feast starts on the 15th, full moon, right? And so this is the middle of the month, full moon is going on. Remember also, the Jewish calendar starts their days at sunset. So the new day starts at 6 p.m., okay? So they kind of run overnight and into the next day for us, and ours sort of don't do that, right? We start at midnight. They start at 6 p.m., and so right after twilight comes 6 p.m., the beginning of the next day, the 15th. All right, so he says, And the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread to the Lord. Now, remember, just like last week, he said, here's the Feast of Passover. Now he's like, here's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And there's really not a lot of explanation. That's because this was just a year or two after Israel being released out of Egypt. He didn't have to give an explanation. They're like, so remember that. I am absolutely locked in on that. And uh, so he just gives the name, and they're like, got it. Celebrating that thing that happened a year or two ago that was absolutely stunning when you released us out of Egypt. He says, on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. How long? Seven days. Remember, seven is the number of God. Seven is a statement of completeness. God's like, hang on, you are going to celebrate a completeness statement with this unleavened bread. Seven days straight days. In fact, the word in the Hebrew for unleavened bread is the word matzah. Have you heard it? Matzah bread, right? It just, that's what it is. It's a bread that is not leavened. It has not risen. It's more like almost a cracker, if you will. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. You shall eat matzah. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. We talked about that. That's that day set apart. It's like a Sabbath there's a day with no work. It says, you shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. And on the seventh day is another holy convocation. So the first and the last have this holy set-apartness, that first day being like a Sabbath treated as you come in. So you have the Passover on the 14th. The next day is the 15th, the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the day starts at 6 p.m., right? And you're supposed to eat unleavened bread on that, and it's a lot like a Sabbath, a holy convocation. He says, on the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work then either. And, uh, you know, I was like, I kind of know what unleavened bread is, and, uh, but what is it really? Like, what is it made out of? And I looked some things up this week, and and I learned a little bit. So we would know things like, you know, when you uh, make bread with leaven, it's actually got like a yeast in it, right? And you throw the yeast in, and then it tends to rise, and you get this bread that has risen up, and it's a lot softer and, and uh, maybe even a little more sweet in it. But uh, there's this bread that has risen. Do you know what makes it rise? I never knew this. Yeast actually has to sit, and it ferments. And as it ferments, as it decays, it literally starts to kind of grab onto the sugars around it and break down. And while it's breaking down, you get this carbon dioxide released into it, and that pushes everything up, okay? 
So it's a decaying that's taking place to make it rise. That's what's going on. So a yeast has some level of decay in it. And can you kind of hear it? So in the New Testament, he's like a little leaven leavens the whole lump. He's like, just remember, let's treat leaven a lot like sin. There's a decay in it, and just a little bit of sin can affect a massive part of your life. 1 Corinthians 5 starts to uh, connect the two, leaven and sin. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8, talks about those two kind of being equated, and that's going to be a big deal for us today. And when you actually look into the detail of it, you start to see that yeast is a fermenting and a decaying, and you're like, I never want to eat bread again now. Thank you very much, right? And uh, I'm just saying, there's some things that go on there that make a really great analogy to sin, and hey, uh, simple question. God's like, make sure you're celebrating, and make sure you're celebrating for seven straight days, and make sure it's about me, and make sure you're grasping all that's going on, and man, how are you doing at celebrating your God? I mean, when it comes to Easter's or Christmases, is that more about the families and the gifts and the Easter eggs, or is it more about your God and the work that he's doing in your life? And how are you doing with celebrating? There's nothing wrong with having great family time, but making sure that you're making much of your God along the way. How are you doing with celebrating throughout your year? Make sure that you're grasping that first and foremost, all right? That's point number one. Point number two, we move from the instructional to the historical. Remember that God called Israel to live on unleavened bread as they escaped. Remember that God called Israel to live on unleavened bread as they escaped. So now we're looking back. So turn with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 12. Turning back one book, it goes Genesis, Exodus, right? It's good to hear the pages turning. So this is one book back, Exodus chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 15. So this is like a year or two before the chapter we were just reading in Leviticus. So where he's summarizing and he's like on the 15th day, you're going to do a seven-day feast, right? Now they're looking back to this event that occurred, Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 15. We've set it up. We've talked about what's going on, right? And we know that there's this... uh, nation of Israel trapped in Egypt. There's been nine different plagues that have taken place. They're not releasing them. And the 10th plague is about to come. God has set up the Passover. He's told them exactly how to go through it, what to do with the lamb's blood on the doorpost, and how to get ready, get prepped. Make sure you're ready to leave in haste. Have your belt on, your sandals on, have your staff in hand as you get ready to go after it. Right after that, he says this direction. Starting in verse 15. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. How long? And so this celebration, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, is a week-long celebration. It's seven days. It says, on the first day you shall remove leaven out of your house. For anyone that eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. He's like, remove leaven the leaven from the house. What he does not say, hey, you can keep it around, just don't use it. Everybody say, he doesn't say that. He's like, get it out. No leaven at all. Remove it. 
remove it. Everybody say remove. Remove it. Make sure it is gone. And then he says, anyone who eats any leavened bread from day one to day seven, cut off from Israel. <laughs> you're like, seriously? It's a piece of bread. And, and you're like, you remember those moments where you're like sitting at Texas Roadhouse and they bring yet another thing <laughs> of the yeast rolls and you're like, if anyone eats another one of those, you're cut off out of the house, right? There's that moment where you're like, we gotta stop eating these. And if they're sitting in front of you and God's like, don't leave them in front of you. Get it out of the house, right? And uh, he's like, all right, let's take this thing seriously. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day, you shall remove the leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first until the seventh, that person will be cut off from Israel. Then he says, on the first day, you shall hold a holy assembly. Remember in Leviticus, it said, call it a holy convocation. The first day is like a Sabbath day. It's a rest day. It's a hang on, no work day. That's going to be really important. Hang on to that piece of information. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, first day, no work. Okay? He says, on the first day, rally together a holy assembly. And on the seventh day, a holy assembly. No work shall be done on these days. But what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. God's like, don't worry. You don't have to make the food a whole week in advance. You can make that along the way, but that's the only thing you're going to be making. And he said, and you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Notice the tense. I brought. He had not yet brought them out. He's speaking in the past tense. This is done and over, and you're going to celebrate it as done and over, but right now I'm telling you it's about ready to come. And he speaks of it in the past tense. And he's like, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. There was a slavery before it. There is none now. There was no freedom. Now there is freedom. You are released. Celebrate it with seven straight days of unleavened bread as I release you from being slaves. He says, therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the 14th day of the month, hearing it? From the 14th day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st of the month at evening. So he's lumping the two together now. The Feast of Passover is the 14th at evening or twilight. And he's like, eat unleavened bread then. If you look back into Exodus 12, verse 8, that's exactly what it said. Make sure on Passover at evening you have unleavened bread. So the 14th you have it. And then the 15th through the 21st, those seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you have unleavened bread. So he's like, listen, 14 to 21, eight days have unleavened bread covering these two feasts. Just a little note. For those of you who know your gospel a little bit and you've read through and you're like, it seems like they call Passover the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of Unleavened Bread Passover. They use it somewhat interchangeably and truly by the time the gospels were being written, culturally they lumped those two together because one was on the 14th and the next was the 15th to the 21st. It started like the minute after, right? It's the 14th all the way till 6 p.m. Boom, you're into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So they just lumped it together and they celebrated those. In fact, uh, I wrote one verse down. If you look at Luke uh, chapter 22, verse 1, 
Luke 22, verse 1, you don't have to turn there, but it says, the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. He's lumping the two together, and he's like, hang on, these eight days, some people just call it Passover week. You're looking at the two together. You're like, that sounds confusing to me. Really? Okay, let me ask you a question. When somebody walks up to you, and they're like, hey, what are you doing for Christmas? And you're like, well, Christmas Eve... We're going to go over to the church service or this. We're going to do that. And then Christmas Day, we're getting together with family, and we're going to open up presents here. And we're going to, right? We just start lumping the two days together. What do you do for Christmas? And we lump them together. Or, hey, what are you doing for Easter? Well, Good Friday, we're going to go to the church service. And then we got this thing on Saturday with family up north. And then we're going to do this other stuff with family on Sunday. And we're going to the church Sunday morning to rock some celebration for Jesus Christ. And what are you doing for Easter? And we lump it all together, Right? That's exactly what they're doing here. So just so you know, when you read in the Gospels, you're going to see the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread often spoken of together. One is the 14th, and then the other starts on the 15th, and it goes seven days till the 21st, okay? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Good for us to know that. That way you're not tripped up when you start reading around in other spots and uh, it says, basically, eat from the 14th to the 21st. It says, for seven days, no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. And uh, he's taking the leaven seriously. Everybody say he's taking it seriously. Leaven means something. It's pointing to something. And hang on on that. It says, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. I thought it was good just to close out with this. Let's jump over to verse 33. Good to just see a little bit of the close. Remember now, the 10th plague is God coming in with his wrath, and anybody who won't trust in him, he's ending up taking firstborns, but those who do trust are putting the blood on the doorpost, and he's passing over. So at this point in verse 33, God is passing over, and the, the, the firstborns are passing away everywhere, and the Egyptians have had enough. Pick it up in verse 33. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. How? In haste. Don't forget that. God already told them, have your sandals on, have your staff in hand, have your belt tied in haste. Get ready. I'm going to need you to take off in haste with the unleavened bread. So... They say, we need you to get out of here, man. They said, we shall all be dead. They kind of didn't understand the plague, right? God's like, I'm going to take the firstborn. And they're like, it looks like he's taking everyone. Just get them out of here, right? They're completely confused and lost. And it says, so the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them. Listen to this now. For they had asked the Egyptians for silver, gold, jewelry, and for clothing. Because really, that's what every slave does, right? Hey man, can I have a little bit of your gold? Right? And uh, they started asking for this silver and gold along the way. It says, and the Lord had given the people favor, favor in their sight. And they ended up giving it to them in massive levels. And uh, man, as they're giving it across, they are ending up being able to celebrate that God is doing something major. It says, so that they let them have whatever they asked, thus they plundered the Egyptians. That was the kind of plundering where you do zero work, right? The kind of plundering where you're like, could I have some of your silver? Sure, whatever, get out of here. 
right? So they're throwing them things and sending them on their way. And the nation of Israel is now being established, separated out. They have their food, the unleavened bread. They're ready to go on the week. They are getting sent out. Remember, Passover comes on the 14th day. And at 6 o'clock, the next day becomes the 15th. God is sending them out, breaking them free from slavery. They are released. And he sends them out rich. That's God's plan. Okay? Israel celebrating what God is doing in their life. And uh, these guys are going on one world of a camping trip. Right? Over the next number of years. And I know our family is not a camping family, really. We have two tents. They sit up, st- up on top of the rack in the basement, and we never use them. And, uh, but uh, I used to take the kids out camping every once in a while. It was just me and the daughters. We were part of a daddy-daughter thing. And we would go out camping. It was either spring or fall. And it's actually very cool then when we were going out. So it was a brisk time, often a drizzly time. There were some rougher moments. One of the things I remember most about it is, you know, falling asleep with your little daughter or daughters next to you in these tents and being able to whisper with them in the dark and laugh together and fall asleep together. But another thing I remember is the food. Like one of the things we ate every year, we had one guy that was a master of it, and so we ate what he called a shepherd's pie, and we took some hamburger and threw it in a tin foil, and we took some vegetables, and we took some seasonings. We ended up taking some broth and whatever else, gravies, and put it in there, and then you wrap it all up several times over in tin foil, and you throw it on the fire, and it just sits on the fire cooking while we're talking and letting the girls roast marshmallows and hot dogs and whatever else. And then we as dads were eating that. If the girls wanted some, they could, but they always wanted the hot dogs, you know? They're like, whatever, man, that looks like a grown-up meal. I'm out. Give me the hot dog. So we're having the, the other stuff, and man, I remember opening it up, and you get the smells that waft up in, and it really probably wasn't even that great, but it's cold, and it's rainy, and this is awesome, right? And uh, it re- I remember it 20 years later, and I still remember those moments. And uh, can you imagine these guys eating their unleavened bread, silver and gold in their pouches, released from slavery after 400 years, and they're like, this is awesome! And somebody might be like, dude, it's unleavened bread. And they're like, it's good, man. This is enjoy. Let's get out of here. And they're moving out those first moments had to be some pretty mind-blowing moments. Granted, their faith wobbled so fast after it, but man, they were celebrating the moment as they had their unleavened bread. And uh, so much so that 3,500 years later, we know what they ate, right? God's like, record it, unleavened bread for seven days. Super important that we grasp it. And uh, man, they were remembering what God did in Israel and the release that took place because of him. Question, how are you doing at remembering how God has provided into your life during times of difficulty? How are you doing at saying, Lord, I remember in this day when I was struggling, I remember during this season of life, and God, I saw your hand here, and being able to remember God's handiwork in your life. Remember. And don't lose track of what God's doing. 
And even more than that, it's not just in your world, right? That's so Western of us to think just of what God's doing in my life. But he's like, think corporately and remember back to Israel. Think of what God did in Israel and the life change that took place and the plan he had and God's in charge. Remember appointed times, purposed statements. God has a plan and lean and trust on him as we look back and see what he did in the nation of Israel. And all of God's people said, huge deal. Point number three, as we now ramp it up here and turn it towards Christ. Christological simply means it's about Jesus, Christ, right? And uh, worship Jesus, the sinless one who removes our sin. Worship Jesus, the sinless one who removes our sin. This is our hope, man. And so let's just tie the two together. Remember, leaven is actually something that is kind of a decaying down that causes it to rise, right? Leaven, a great analogy to it in the scripture is leaven equals sin. Don't miss that. As God's like, it's time for you to eat unleavened bread for seven days. He's like, I want you to grasp the importance of sinlessness. I want you to grasp what we're going after. Now, we're just going to back the truck up for a moment and do a little bit of last week into this week so we get a running start. Remember Jesus coming in for the Palm Sunday moment, right? And they're like, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And as they're celebrating out to him, by the end of that day, that's it. He is chosen as the lamb. It's the 10th day he's chosen. And then as it goes through the week, some events are taking place. One of those events that takes place right after that is Jesus walking into the temple as the chosen one, as the unleavened bread, the sinless, perfect one, right? Jesus Christ declares, I am the bread of life. He's like, you need to know I'm the one that brings your hope. That one walked into the temple, Matthew chapter 21, and he begins to clear the temple. He says, what are you doing selling these things? He flips over the tables with the money changers. He's like, you're making it all about you. This isn't a worship of God. You're making this a den of thieves. And he's flipping over and turning over the sin and saying, get it out of the house. Remember what we talked about back just a little bit in Exodus 12. It said, remove the leaven from the house. And as Jesus gets chosen and he's coming up to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, he's like, get the leaven out of my father's house. And he flips these tables over and says, done with this. We are removing it from the house. Are you beginning to see it set up? The one who is sinless, the unleavened one, getting leaven out of the house. This is a huge deal where we get to see Jesus Christ in massive form. Now he ends up being able to come forward to the 14th day, going to the cross as Passover lamb for you and for me. And let's just turn now to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And we'll jump in starting at verse 50. This is picking up right from last week. Jesus Christ has just breathed his last on the 14th day of the month at twilight. We have Jesus Christ breathing his last. Now we're picking it up in verse 50. 
It says, now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. It says, he was a member of the council. Now, the council is the ones who chose that Jesus should go to the cross. So when it says he's a member of the council, this is a bad moment. So you probably need a little bit of response. Like when I say he's a member of the council, there's a little bit of the uh-oh response going on. All right, here we go. Let's get a running start at it. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council. Uh-oh. Right? This is the guy who's a part of a team that put Jesus on the cross. But it says, a good and righteous man. What? What's going on? It says, who had not consented to their decision and action. That's where we get the point. And we're like, oh, all right. You see in the active listening moment, our response should be, get ready now. Running start. Here we go. Now, there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision or action. Now we got it, right? And it's super important that we grasp the little details that are captured in Scripture. And it says, and uh, he was looking for the kingdom of God. I like how Luke said that. He was looking for the kingdom of God. Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God. And this man was interested in and looking for the kingdom of God. In fact, Matthew 27, verse 57, literally says, Joseph of Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus. He's a follower of Jesus Christ, and he's fired up about him, and he didn't agree with the plan. This wasn't a unanimous decision, and they went ahead with it anyway. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. That's bold. You contradict them, and now you're going to go public on it. He goes and he asks for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, and he wrapped it in a linen shroud, and he laid him in a tomb cut in stone. Now he's showing respect. So he goes boldly and publicly about his following of Jesus, and then he goes with full respect, managing the body of Jesus Christ, who has died as the Passover lamb on the 14th day at twilight. And he's picking him up, and he's putting him into a tomb that has never been used. No one's been laid there before. Respect. It also means probably Joseph of Arimathea had a little bit of money. He had some cash that he was probably able to move things with, and God had blessed him, and he was using that to bless by caring for Jesus in this way. Now it says, it was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. Remember, Jesus Christ dies at twilight. That's right before six o'clock, And remember, at 6 o'clock starts the next day, right? So the 14th day comes all the way up. Jesus breathes his last. We are right at twilight. That is the Passover lamb, him for me. And in those next moments, they have just a little bit of time before it becomes the Sabbath. Remember what the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread said. No work, right? So they're all like, This is getting tight, man. We got to get this done if we're going to take care of them. And so in those last moments of twilight, right before the Feast of Unleavened Bread, as the Sabbath was beginning, it says, it was just ready to start. It says the women 
who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. They were getting ready and prepped right before the 15th started because the Feast of Unleavened Bread starts on the... That's a small response. The Feast of Unleavened Bread starts on the... 15th, and the first day, the 15th, needs to be a day of no work, and they're getting prepped for it. So hear this now. I'm going to use a different word. It says that the day was now becoming the Sabbath. In other words, they were in haste. Are you hearing that? Now we go back to the Israel story. They were in haste. And they needed to get out of there with their unleavened bread. And now we go to Jesus Christ, and it is becoming the 15th, and they are in haste as they are getting ready to take care of him who is sinless, Jesus Christ, the one who is the ultimate in unleavened. And he declared, I am the bread of life. The unleavened bread of life is needing to be taken out and cared for with haste. God has a plan. Everybody say, God's got a plan. He's like, I'm telling you, I'm going to be dealing with getting the unleavened bread out of there with haste. Make sure you get and understand that notion. Jesus said, by the way, I am the bread of life. When did he declare that? Well, it was a year or two earlier at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And as he's sitting at unleavened bread feast, he's like, by the way, speaking of bread, I am the bread of life. And you keep talking about this bread from heaven that Moses talked about with manna. I am the one that brings eternal life. Jesus Christ, the bread of life, sinless and perfect, the unleavened one, hastily being dealt with and taken out. But it gets bigger than that. Hear me now, as it just starts to turn, it's right before, it's twilight, and as they're putting his body into the tomb, right? Right at the beginning of the 15th of the month, in that moment, the sinless one is being buried, and my sin is going with him. The unleavened one is becoming my sin. Praise be to God. And my sin is not just being passed over at the cross with his blood on the cross. My sin is now being sent away. Taken away, man. Hear me. We are not saved and covered. And yet still morons for the rest of our eternity. Praise God. That's not the plan. Amen. And as he says, I am covering over. I am doing more than covering over. I am taking away the sin. One degree at a time, but I am taking it away. And so legally, that sin is buried with Jesus Christ. All of your sin, if you trust Christ as Savior, if you're like, I believe he has risen from the dead, I confess him as Lord. Your sin, past, present, and future, buried with Jesus Christ in haste. Amen, man. Praise God. Amen. Our sin buried with Jesus Christ in haste moved to the tomb, the sinless one becoming sin for me. And God's got a plan. 
And all of God's people said, Amen, man. The 14th day at twilight, and he will pass over. And the 15th, and he will take our sin away. Praise be to God. Man, God has a plan to deal with sin, and it does include a passing over, and it does include a taking away. May we celebrate him. And, uh, so I just wrote a few verses down here that you may want to write down to close it. Ready? Here we go. John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If you're like, how does this really connect to Jesus? John 6, 35. He is the bread of life, and he goes on in those verses to talk about how he brings eternal life. And uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin, that in him we might be the righteousness of God. He is literally taking away our sin that we might be the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Hebrews 10.14. Hebrews 10.14 says, For by a single offering, everybody say, because he was sinless. Right? So it took one offering one time and it was absolutely efficient. For by a single offering, he has perfected. Everybody say, it's done. Let that settle. He has perfected. If you have trusted Christ's sin carried away legally, done. He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Everybody say, it's a process. And so he carries it away legally in the tomb at that time, done. And then the next step right after that is to say, hang on, I'm now going to help you to experience this moment by moment. He literally says, this one is righteous. And then he begins to make it true. How? So here's some of the experiential statements. 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are changed one degree at a time. So he has perfected in the tomb, carried our sin away legally, and now he is experientially changing my heart as his glory pours on one moment at a time. And he is beginning to head me towards a transformation where I am conformed to the image of Christ. Praise God. And just so you know, this side of heaven, we're all wrestling with whatever needs to go in our life. If you're in this room and you're like, I still have a lot of that sin in me, man, Trust me, me too. And 1 John chapter 1 says, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. That's some pretty rough words, right? He could have said, if you say you're without sin, I think you might be mistaken. He didn't say, if you say you're without sin, lying. We all have stuff that needs to go. And this side of heaven, God will be doing a work one degree at a time. But hear me on this, man. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52. It says, but we who believe in Jesus shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. 
for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and then we shall be changed. Amen, man. Absolute perfection. None of it because of me. All of it because of him. Praise be to God. Hear me, man. The sinless one. He died for you on the cross so that you might be passed over and the wrath not come down. But he's doing more than just handling the wrath. Now he's taking the sin away. And the sinless one gets buried in the tomb. Him taking on my sin. My sin is no longer just covered. It is now removed. Praise be to God. We'll use the big words for those of you who love them. It is not just propitiated. It is also expiated. It is not just all about, God, please forgive me. It is, Lord, please change me. And all of God's people said, man, our lives as believers is to celebrate that we can taste of the unleavened bread. Seven days of perfection as we live out that we can taste freedom from sin. Speaking of freedom, here we go. Romans chapter 6, verse 6, the last verse. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin as Israel was slaves to Egypt and they were released on the feast of unleavened bread. So we as believers... Trusting in Jesus Christ, released as our sin carried away on the feast of unleavened bread. Jesus Christ was buried on the 15th, and we celebrate sinlessness in him, and sinlessness eventually in us. Praise be to God. And all of God's people said, amen, Amen, man. That is the hope of the feast of unleavened bread. God dealing with our sin fully and completely. So here's what I'm going to ask. We've got a job to do. And your answer is going to be him for me. All right? Him for me. Say it loud. Say it big. Him for me. All right. I'm going to say some phrases. You repeat him for me. Here we go. He was sinless. Him for me. He became my sin. My sin was taken away. My sin was buried in the tomb. That I might become his righteous child. The unleavened sinless one. Jesus, Messiah. One last time, as loud and big as you can. Him for me. Louder and bigger. Him for me. On the 15th of the month, he was buried hastily, the great almighty unleavened bread, Jesus Christ, the one who brings us eternal life. And we now have hope because he took our sin away, praise be to God, and now experientially he'll be removing it one moment at a time, one glory revealing at a time. God has a plan. All of God's people said, let's pray.